welcome back to the Sound On Sight Walking Dead podcast. This is Kate Kalzik, TV editor of Sound On Sight, and I'm joined as ever by Mr. Ricky D, our general editor. Hello, Kate. And this week, joining us from the Sound On Sight as well is Sean Coletti, one of our fabulous reviewers for Sound On Sight TV. You're currently covering, what, Elementary and Homeland, and there's one more. Sons of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy. See, I, I that's the thing. I just I care so little about Sons of Anarchy, even though I know that's blasphemy, <laughs> that I don't even remember who's covering it for us right now. Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Now, Sean, I broke up with Homeland. Should I start watching season three? It's There's so much mixed critical opinion about that. That's a much longer discussion to have. Okay. That sounds like a no to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get into talking about this week's episode, Live Bait, which is episode six of season four and was written by Nicole Beatty and directed by Michael Uppendahl, we should say, like we always do, that there will be no spoilers on this podcast. While Ricky has read much of the comic book and I have not read any of it, neither of us will spoil anything from the comic book that has not happened on the TV show or anything that is yet to come on the TV show. Uh, Sean, are you familiar with the comic book? Uh, I've read the first maybe four or five issues, so it would be impossible for me to spoil anything. At this point, okay. Well, we we knew that there were certain things that were going to be happening this week, or at least we strongly suspected that certain <laughs> things were going to be happening this week. Um, but I don't think any of us expected we were going to take an immediate left turn and focus entirely on the governor. Sean, how did this episode work for you, and how does it compare with the rest of this season so far? Um, well, you mentioned last week that you thought that the whole sickness mini arc was a, a pretty good thing to happen and to open the season. And I definitely agreed with that. There were aspects of that that I really enjoyed. And, you know, the last 10 seconds of the last episode had me really worried. And I, I kind of came into this one expecting to, to really dislike it just because of, I guess, how offensively bad they handled the governor at the end of last season. But, um, you know, I read Ricky's review, and I got to say, I, I really enjoyed this a lot more than I had anticipated, and I'm interested to talk about that. Interesting, Ricky. What did you think? Yeah, you say left turn, I say U-turn. Man, it completely went in a totally different direction. I, I, I wrote in my review that it's hard for me to form an opinion of the episode because I don't know what they are going to do with the governor. Okay, so as far as this episode is concerned, I think it's well-directed, well-acted, well-written, and I do like what they've done with the governor in this episode, but I don't know what the results are long-term. Like, are they rebuilding the governor just so he can stick around for two or three more episodes and die and become sort of like this antagonist? He definitely needed a complete rehab. Like, this character ne needed to be completely torn apart and rebuilt, and that is exactly what they did. Um, but, you know, last week, Kate, on the podcast, I said I wanted the writers to take bigger risks. I also mentioned that I wanted an episode that didn't necessarily follow around Rick and the rest of the group. And I also said I wanted flashbacks. So basically, I got everything I wanted, right? <laughs> the thing is, it just happened to revolve around the governor. And so, like Sean, last week, I had... Uh, concerns because we all know that the governor from season three was this over-the-top cartoonish I stole your words Kate when you said mush mustache twirling mm -hmm. like baddie and so nobody really liked the governor I was actually sort of a fan of the governor for a, a good chunk of the season but then you and Simon quickly convinced me he was a horrible terrible character terribly written because he was um, because he was. 
Um, so yeah, but I think as far as this episode is concerned, like if you can forget about everything that happened in the past, this is a pretty good episode. And I have to agree with you. This, I think this is a really strong episode. The, the trouble is that our central character here, the governor, who I will not call Brian because I don't believe that's his name, he's not the character we saw last year. He's just different character. There's no, nothing that I see in the opening moments of this episode that believably connects what we saw at the end of his tenure last season with what we see here. So it's a well-written character. It's a very interesting progression. It's a good performance from David Morrissey. It's just not the governor. And so I, when we get when we move forward, I think that's going to be a bit of a problem. And I know that was somewhat of a stumbling block. That was somewhat of a stumbling block for some viewers because they're watching this this guy feel all remorseful and try to and end up building this new life for himself and trying to connect that with the person who sexually assaulted Maggie and did all of these terrible things and just started, you know, sort of maniacally cackling and shooting down people for no reason. Um, yeah, that, that was not appropriately addressed. And I just wish they had taken this story and just given it to a different character. I think we all do. If that had been a completely different character, then yeah, this would have been such a fantastic episode because the character that they do give us, even though, like you said, it's not the governor that we know, is really compelling in kind of the basic journey from silent wanderer, you know, looking for redemption to somebody who actually has some type of connection with other people in this world. But I'm wondering what else could have been done with the character of the governor that would have been better than this reintroduction. We could have seen Michonne cut his head off. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been nice. That is a problem with this episode. Like, if I were to review this episode, just the episode, and forget about the rest of the season or the rest of the series and how it ties in, I think it's a fantastic episode. But overall, there is still problems with the episode. I mean, we have to sit here and, like, suspend our disbelief that this man, who was such a monster that, you know, sexually terrorized Maggie, that you know, sexually terrorized Laurie Holden's character, Andrea, to some extent, mm -hmm. um, that kept his daughter locked away in a closet after she turned into a zombie that had heads floating around in his aquarium um, that uh, mowed down a bunch of people at the end of season three, people who were his friends and followers. I mean, this guy's, I mean, just look back at all the incredibly terrible, horrible things he's done in the past. And all of a sudden we're supposed to somehow swallow and believe that he's just going to have a change of heart and, dramatically drastically changed to brian like his new his rebirth is a character named brian and my biggest problem with the episode and the reason why i can't get 100 percent behind it is because we once again have a little girl has the catalyst for a change in this case the change of the governor going from phil to brian and this is the problem i've had all season long with with the walking dead is Yes, Scott M. Gimple is doing a fantastic job with his writing staff in writing the episodes, but they are still recycling ideas. I mean, to the point where we open up the season with this character named uh, Lizzie, uh, once again, a young girl uh, who sort of is the reincarnation in some extent of Sophia. And now we have Megan, who sort of like uh, parallels his daughter, Penny. But we've also seen his inner struggle with his daughter, Penny, back in season three. I mean, he's had to deal with her death twice. I mean, her 
her human death to zombie and then eventually her zombie death when Michonne like put her out of her misery. And so I don't know. This is my problem having with season four that I am still frustrated that they are recycling ideas and I still see them recycling ideas in this episode, despite the fact that it's a good episode. Does that make any sense? It absolutely does, and I, anybody who hasn't read it yet, I have to steer our listeners to the review at Tom and Lorenzo, because they do, they write, there's like a full paragraph talking about all of the the cute white blonde girls on this show uh, over over its run, and it's 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 a great, it's a great review. You guys should all check it out. I, I absolutely agree, and I still, I just can't get past what the writers ask us to swallow at the beginning of this episode. Um, and, and tying in things in, I thought actually the family, they introduce Megan and Lily and Tara. Yeah. Yes. I, I, th- I thought that they actually, those characters are interesting. They could have been better, but they certainly could have been worse. Um, but I just, again, I can't get past that, that main leap of, fa- like, I don't see any instigating factor that transitions, I guess, the governor into the the guys who can't who is not even reacting at the campsite fire um wh- what did you think about about Megan and um the so some of these recycling of ideas Sean there were parts of it that i enjoyed the walking dead doesn't really do subtlety very well so those comparisons between uh Megan and the governor's daughter and then also the whole uh chess conversation oh. about sacrificing pawns so that uh, you can still win in the end. Yeah, that, that The Walking Dead's not very good at that. But at the same time, I guess it's not aiming for something much bigger than that. It's not trying to be a prestige drama. This is trying to be a show that 16 million people watch every week. And I guess based on that and the fact that, you know, David Morrissey was on this casting list and therefore had to be a part of this season, I'm at least satisfied with the complete reboot and even though it's ridiculous to expect it of us to uh, just go along with this new character, I'm kind of willing just for my own sanity's sake. I think actually this, this episode also may have worked better for me with just a couple, a couple tweaks. If, if we hadn't seen the governor last week, you know, with binoculars looking like he's in full governor mode and spying on the prison, I wouldn't have had as much Issue. I, well, I shouldn't say that. I doubt I would have had as much issue with this episode because it wouldn't feel like we had been introduced with, oh, he's going to st- end up, you know, creepily spying on our protagonist again in a few, you know, in a few months time or whatever. So it wouldn't feel like I already knew where it was going and that he was, he was going to end up in the exact same place, you know, where we left him. So that, that might've helped. Um, I just want to, I just want to quickly agree. The last shot the final shot of last week's episode was unnecessary and almost completely ruined the episode for me because remember last week kate i was like i love this episode up until the very last shot mm-hmm. it, w- it wasn't needed yeah did that affect your appreciation of this episode ricky well no i mean the thing is if i were to look at this episode and see how it fits in to the whole entire season and the whole series so far i don't think it's a great episode if i review it alone if I can, if I could just review it by itself, I think it's a great episode. I know I sound schizophrenic and crazy right now, but it's like we said, I mean, the recycling of, of ideas of having, once again, a, a little girl be the catalyst for a change to the point where the little girl looks almost exactly like Penny. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but also, like, 
like, I mean, Scott, uh, Sean, you said that it's not subtle. I don't care if it's not subtle. I don't need it to be subtle. I mean, if you go back to George A. Romero's movies, George A. Romero, the godfather of zombies, his movies aren't subtle either. I'm okay. I like the whole, like, chess piece, con, parallel, whatever. <laughs> like, oh, that was terrible. It was so bad. <laughs> it was, it was, it, but it's, like, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just so accustomed to watching these sort of scenarios play out in, in horror movies that it's eye-rolling, but I don't know. I, I kind of come to expect it, and to me, it's like I can, I'm okay with that sequence because, yeah, maybe you, you'll roll your eyes, but it doesn't affect the overall arc of the season, whereas I have problems with the governor all of a sudden becoming a quote-unquote good man <laughs> like i mean he's still the monster like i mean we're not gonna like sit here and think that he's completely 100 changed but ah oh, man i don't know the, the thing is it's like i feel like scott and m gimple knows that the governor from season three was a terrible character like he was horribly written and so he just wants to destroy the governor from season three to the point where the governor himself wants to destroy his past where he goes to woodbury he burns down woodbury there's this beautiful shot where he whips out the photograph of him and his ex-wife or wife and his daughter, Penny, and he folds it. So he removes him from the frame. And then later he burns the picture. Like, like it's to the point where he's burning any trace of his past. And, but I feel like the writers themselves of The Walking Dead want to burn any trace of the, the, the character's past as well. Because they are pretty aware that critics and fans are not happy with the representation we got of the governor. Especially because the character in the comic book is so much better. I think... Well, I absolutely agree with everything you just said, uh, Ricky, but I think I would like to talk a little bit about what does work in this episode for me. And I think that scene with the photograph, you know, that's sort of that sequence that we see of his progression with you know, his relationship to that photograph over the episode works really well. Um, I also really like the opening uh, montage. I, I, I appreciated the increased use of soundtrack this season. And I thought that was a good, a good choice. I thought that worked well. Um, even just the, how, terrible as scraggly beard looked i feel like we should you know as we're seeing people wandering around it feels weird that we don't see more people with beards so so just like touches like that really worked for me were there elements that worked for you guys the soundtrack is really doing wonders for me this season in particular um maybe that's just personal preference with my tv watching but i think stuff like that goes a long way i think one thing that really worked for me that might not have for other people. And this might just be because I was kind of so surprised that I was enjoying the episode as I was watching it was um, the, well, what would have gone on to be a sex scene, I guess, between the governor and uh, Lily. That that could have worked for me if I, first of all, if she didn't look, at least to me, distractingly similar to Maggie. Yes, uh, you're right about that, yeah. Yeah, and also, you know, so if I was able to put that out of my mind, that might have helped. But with given the governor's romantic link with Andrea last last season and how well that worked for most of us, as well as, of course, his assault of Maggie, I just, I, I couldn't. And then also, I'm sorry, but the sister and the daughter are right there. They're going to wake up. That's just rude. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, can I tell you guys a little story? So I arrived home a little late, so I actually missed, I think, like the first seven or eight minutes of The Walking Dead, and I turned it on, 
And my plan was I was just going to go back and rewatch the uh, or watch the cold open later on, right? And so the, it opens up, and I, I swear to God, I thought it was Maggie. I was, like, so confused. I was like, I, it took me, like, about three minutes to realize it wasn't Maggie. She looks exactly like Maggie. She sounds like Maggie. Like, what the fuck? I'm so glad it's not just me, because I thought I was no. just, like, a terrible person. All, you know, Southern characters seem the same to me. I was, like, being all judgmental on myself. So I'm glad it's not just me. No, I, I thought it was, like, a flashback with Maggie. And that she had somehow known the governor prior, except then I realized he had his eye patch on. So I was like, no, that can't be. So I was totally confused. <laughs> well, how about you, Ricky? Were there other elements of this episode? Because like, I think if I think you and I agree, if you set aside who the governor is, this episode really works. So what were other elements of, of this episode that came together for you? Well, it really works for some people. I'm pretty sure a lot of people were completely bored with the episode. I, I actually was teasing on Facebook and Twitter, making people think that I actually hated the episode, you know? Um, so, like, that when they listen to the podcast, they'll, sort of like a, uh, they'll be surprised w with my reaction. But there's, um, there's one line in the episode that I think it's Lily that, yeah, it's when Lily goes to help the governor after he gets the oxygen tank and she's, like, tending to his wounds. He's got, like, a cut on his forehead. And she says... Who would have ever thought that the end of the world could be so boring? And I kind of feel like the writers purposely injected that line because they knew that some viewers wouldn't necessarily be happy with the episode because there isn't much action. There isn't much blood, guts, violence. You know what I mean? There isn't much gore. It's a very slow episode. Um, but I, I, I mean, again, I can't complain because last week this is exactly what I asked for. Uh, in terms of what I liked, I love the editing. I thought the editor did a fantastic job because there's one sequence in which um, Brian, can we just call him Brian from now on? It'll make me feel better. <laughs> It'll make me feel better. So Brian takes the oxygen tank and he bashes the skull of Lily's dad right as he turns into a locker and is about to bite terror, right? And it automatically cuts to him with a shovel digging dirt and they're going to bury uh, her dad. And it's just the way they cut those two scenes. I love the way this whole entire episode was edited, especially the opening montage sequence, the cold open, um, because, you know, we get a quick shot of uh, the governor burning down Woodbury. We get the music playing over, and then we get the, uh, the voiceover, and the governor is talking to a lady off screen. I just love the way it was edited. The whole entire episode was fantastically edited, and so that, to me, was the highlight. What happened to your eye? It's gone. Something happened to you? Or were you just born like that? Something happened to me. Was that bad to ask? No. Tell you what happened to my eye, but you have to to keep the secret. I promise. What's that? Pinky swear. Plus, cross my heart and hope to die.
do we want to discuss uh, the likelihood of how much time has happened since since the zombie apocalypse? And because it seems like it's you know been a substantial chunk of time. And do we want to talk about how, how someone could have not figured out shoot him in the head? Yeah, it's had to have been a couple of years at least. Yeah, and and obviously they they talk about how they're running low on supplies, so it makes sense for them to to leave because they're they're running out of the food truck and you know some of this other stuff. But the fact that they had managed to survive two years in that apartment without you know walkers finding their way in and without ever figuring out you know, you'd think just by happenstance shooting them a number of enough times she would happen to hit one in the head but i guess maybe she's not that you know ob observant well she's not a real cop so she doesn't have that training and i was so glad when they said that because for the first several scenes where she's talking about how she's police and everything i'm like <laughs> i know some cops nothing about how you are behaving and your body language says cop so I really hope the show doesn't expect me to believe that you are actually a police officer. So I was glad when that was revealed to be some posturing. I agree. I think they wrote the characters in a way in which they didn't know how to, you know, kill a zombie. Can we use the word kill a zombie? I'm still confused about that. Take out a zombie. Return. Re restore the zombie. Redead. Uh, Redead the zombie. Yeah. But I think they basically wrote it in that, uh, that way just so we can have that one scene in which Brian goes into the washroom and he sees the zombie in the bathtub. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess he's like an, an ex-war vet who is like an amputee and he puts the zombie out of his misery. It was a, it was a pretty depressing scene. But uh, yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't understand how in two years you can stay locked up in an apartment and have enough food and water and supplies to survive. It's, it's kind of a stretch. Yeah. Well, I, I do think though that that central, that family unit really worked. I liked the touch of the backgammon. I liked, you know, the relationship that we saw between the, the grandfather and the, the granddaughter. And just, just the rapport of the family was nice. It was nice to get back to, you know, people who are not as, destroyed yet by the realities of the world even if it did maybe ring a little false people who mm -hmm. still give uh, fish pumps and pinky promises yeah oh i thought that was so cute that the person whose name we're not saying uh didn't know what a pinky promise was how did he have a daughter and not you know just like a, a young kid and not know about pinky swears <laughs> so <laughs> see, these are the things that i watched and i go oh that was cute i liked it <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk about the set piece at either the the nursing home um, or at the at the end? Yeah, let's go to the nursing home. Yeah, I, I thought I thought that was actually really creative. I, I liked a lot of it. I, the one quibble I have because I'm me and I get bothered by zombie white bread. The 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 walker who was using a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. I didn't think they were able to use simple tools. If you could even call a wheelchair a simple tool, so that was kind of strange to me. Is it actually moving around in the wheelchair? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I didn't notice that, but that's a problem, yeah. You couldn't see very clearly, but it moved forward somewhat. I don't know how it moved forward. It didn't look like it was actually wheeling the wheels, but the whole chair moved forward. I don't know, because the thing about classic zombie films, like when I say classic, I'm actually just referring to George A. Romero's movies, is the zombies do sort of have some. Uh, faint memory like they you know like in Dawn of the Dead they return to the shopping mall or they go back to certain places that 
they remember from when they were alive. And so maybe the zombie, because the zombie, when that person was actually alive, was so accustomed to using the wheelchair because they would use it on a daily basis that when the person turns into the zombie, it still triggers their brain to (laughs) (laughs) I don't know still make the wheelchair active I mean because the zombie like I mean the whole point of a zombie is that you can't kill it until you attack the brain so clearly the brain is still functioning in some kind of weird way maybe we can ask Bill about this yes uh, we did get some feedback from our medical correspondent thank you very much Bill let's see he says um and a note on flu strains every year people need to get new flu shots because every year flu, the flu changes and becomes a new type the vaccine that worked the year before will be ineffective the next year and so on at this point the characters can't have been inoculated against any new strains so they would get sick very rapidly although as we've seen combining antibiotics would resolve the, is- the issue over various stages of time depending on the person and their reaction to it so just a little clarification for us why they're so quickly knocked out by this flu and why they would theoretically be able to resolve it relatively quickly so thank you bill much appreciated do we have any questions for our medical correspondent i I think i do i'm not sure if this is in his field um and this came up in last week's episode and maybe you've talked about on the podcast before but either herschel or glenn was able to just stab right through somebody's skull who had just turned walker and I, I just want to know the, the believability of that. Yeah, you think the uh, you know cutting going through bone would take a lot, mm-hmm. um, and it does. It's sort of, it's not quite like Buffy vampire levels of you know the steak goes in like butter, but um, but yeah, it's uh, it does seem like everybody's really good at just like even with these really small knife knives, just like straight in through the skull that does seem a little it raises red flags when watching so bill let us know i have a question yes do zombies smell bad <laughs> they must well really you think because look I don't at think... them they're like they're rotting yes bodies. yes they smell bad and think they're eating all of that stuff there must be like fumes and you know odors it, it yeah they're they've they've got to smell bad <laughs> I feel confident in that in that assertion. Okay, but I, I mean, I would agree. Maybe if the zombies had been, I, I don't know, because it just seems like you know. For example, they have a zombie in the apartments, right, in the washroom that's been sitting there or lying there for God knows how long. Would it stink up the whole entire apartment? Because they seem okay walking around the apartment with that zombie that's been rotting away in the washroom for like a year or two years. Well, I do wonder if the whole world doesn't just sort of. Smell Reach? horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I also want to mention if you want to see a fun, not great, but kind of fun movie that takes place mostly in a group home and involves a bunch of zombies, watch Cockneys versus Zombies. It was released last year. It's basically about uh, these teenagers who run to a, an old folks' home to, to, um, to save their grandparents. Um, so, yeah. Interesting. Sean, you were saying? Uh, I was just saying, getting back to the the nursing home scene. And one of the things that I found really interesting, which was just a nice little flourish was as soon as Brian gets overrun by the group of zombies, um, kind of pulls out his gun and isn't really able to do anything with it. And I thought that that fit really well in keeping with, um, how, I guess how far he's been broken down and, and how he's not really the person that he used to be anymore. Yeah. That's a good touch. And I, I mean, it's also just, 
because I think of everything when it comes to fight scenes, I do end up inevitably thinking at some level of them in terms of Dungeons and Dragons and, you know, role playing games and stuff. Cause that's, uh, you know, I really enjoy playing those. I always think of a gun as a range weapon. So like if you have a bunch of people right on you, it's not going to be that helpful, you know, cause you have to have a little bit of a distance. You know, obviously you can just, you know, gun right to the zombie's head, but if you got, you know, creatures pressing up on all different sides of you, it's not going to be very helpful. It's not, you know, that's when you want to have, you know, Michonne's sword where you can just like sweep and get all of them. Just you saying that makes me think that uh, Governor and uh, Megan should have played, been playing Dungeons and Dragons instead of chess. A little bit, maybe. I don't know. Just saying. Bust out a d20 and you know, some <laughs> d10s and see, see what happens. Though I do also very much enjoy chess. I, I, when she drew, took that marker and drew on that beautiful chess, I was just like, part of the my insides were dying. I was like, don't do it. It's, it's a beautiful chess set. Ricky, any <laughs> thoughts? Actually, you know what? Something I wanted to mention last week and the week before in the podcast, but I always keep on forgetting to mention it, is why don't they have a flamethrower? Like, you know when the zombies were surrounding the fence? Wouldn't it have been easy to just get a flamethrower and burn all the zombies in, like, one shot? Well, you're going to melt your fence, and then you're going to have a bunch of zombies that are walking at you, and not only are they walking at you, biting at you, they're also on fire, and they're spreading fire. No, 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 no. I thought about this. What you would have to do is you would have to attack them from above the fence. You would have to get, like, a crane and or drive the, the truck and or bus next to the fence, stand on top of it, get your flamethrower, and just blast away the zombies. They would light up on fire to be, like, you know, walking around. Because in this episode, it opens up with one of the uh, walkers uh, tripping over the campfire. And I, I was just like, yeah, that's what I would have done. I would have burnt those zombies that were surrounding the fence, like, last week. And he, it's not like it's not like he succeeded Rick and his gang. I mean, they still broke the fence. Either way, the fence came yeah, down. Yeah, that's true. That's true, but fire's not going to stop him. It's going to take so long for the for the fire to get to the point where it, like, goes through the brain, the skull, to attack the brain. That it's just mostly you're just going to have, like, a flaming shambling corpse it, it takes a while for for bone to you know well well you guys were just talking about how like in last week's episode it only took two seconds for herschel to stab the zombie right through the bone i mean and what are... clearly we're you know we're not sure about that 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 you know that doesn't make sense to us so if and i guess i just keep thinking of they have all those beautiful crops there and if a fire starts if any of that grass catches on fire all of them are dead Oh, it's just grass. It's also, <laughs> you know, what do flamethrowers run on? If it's propane or gasoline or whatever, that, those are both, you know, resources that the group probably needs in the long run. Okay, I, I, okay. I do think, like, uh, the, just the, the, being able to have more variety of weapons would actually make sense. And you'd think that they would start, they might not run out of bullets, but you think they would start running out of certain makes, like certain size sizes of bullets, and so certain guns would be more effective, you know, more effective. Okay, but I have a wish list, and every time I make a wish on the podcast, it, it, the, the writers do fulfill my wish and inject it into the show. <laughs> like, okay, if you guys go back and listen to season one podcast, I think it was like the third or fourth episode, I actually said I wanted an episode that takes place in an old folks' nursery home, right? <laughs> um, last week, I asked for an episode that didn't follow around Rick and the gang. I asked for dogs. We had dogs in last week's episode. This week, I'm asking for a blowtorch. And okay. I think go for a character nicknamed Blowtorch. Uh, I think it would be <laughs> awesome. Either a Blowtorch or a Lawnmower. Because they could take the Lawnmower and they could just mow down all those zombies. 
I seen it. I seen it done. Peter Jackson's Dead Alive. I'm telling you, one of the blood, <laughs> the bloodiest climax of all time. It is the bloodiest film ever made. Oh goodness! See, I already was not going to watch it, so that this is only confirming that for me. But now I'm thinking, of course, of Zombie Mad Men because you say Lawnmower and I go to Mad Men. <laughs> can't can't be undone. Okay, I think uh, it seems like we're pretty much. Uh, you know, on the same page about this episode. Do we have any final thoughts? I guess I'm wondering what we want to see between now and when the governor rejoins our prison group in whatever capacity that is. I got the feeling from the last scene, the last moments, that we're going to follow the governor again next week. Mm -hmm. And it it feels like we're going to have this mini arc with the governor leading, you know, these two episodes this week and next week. And then the, the, the last episode of the, of this first half of the season is going to bring them together. I don't know. I, I don't know that I like that idea. I don't know how else this works. It's a, well, is it going to be a case of, you know, now Martinez and other guy, they're the antagonists and our group with the governor, he's the main protagonist. Is that the deal? I don't know, but I think Kate's right. I think we're going to spend one more episode away from Rick and the group. At least the majority of the episode will be spent away from Rick and the group. And I don't know. I still think there's a possibility that Carol can pop up again. Again, I don't want her to reappear. I'm okay with saying goodbye to Carol, although I do miss her greatly. Um, So, yeah, no, but I think you're right, Kate. I think it's going to spend... A lot of time around the governor, if not the whole entire episode, and we're going to come back the following week to... Is the following week for the season and a half finale? Yep. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, there's a good chance that um, the governor will only reappear at the prison on the season half finale. Yeah, we'll, we'll see where it goes. I, I would be... I guess I'd be surprised if Carol... I, 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 I would be surprised if she turns up with the governor or, or with Martinez and them. Cause I, I feel like she would steer clear of them. Also another little bit of coincidence that we, you know, that necess- this again, raised a flag for me. They happened to stumble into Martinez and I don't know, that seemed a little convenient, but um, as, as for the next couple of weeks, I don't know. I would like to see, I would like to touch in with the, the prison gang. Cause I, I I'd hope we don't just the next time we see them, everybody's hunky dory and healthy and fine. And, I, I kind of want to see a, just somewhat of the process of that. Hmm. You know what? I don't know what I want to see at this point in time. <laughs> like, like I, I want Carol back because I love the actress and I love the character, but I, I do not want them to bring Carol back and then send her away again in, uh, uh in a way that will really piss me off. Like, I don't know. Like, I can't think of a, re- uh, like I don't know, a giraffe falls in her head or something. <laughs> but I like, I like, I like the way they said goodbye to Carol. So that's the thing. Like I'm gonna miss her character, but I don't want them to necessarily bring her back. Yeah, because she went out well. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Um, but I don't. I, again, this episode is tricky because you know we can fast forward like three, four weeks, or even maybe when season four is completely over and done with, and we can look back at this episode and be like, this was a big effing waste of time. Like, we spent 42 minutes following around the governor uh, along with these characters, and all of a sudden, the governor's back to being the cartoonish, over-the-top villain that everybody hated back in season three. We don't know. So, it's it's hard to tell like what I want to see from the show at this point in time. I mean, I do know I want I want the group to get away from the prison, please soon um i'm not necessarily happy with the governor coming back but at this point in time because they brought him back i don't want him 
I don't want them to just get rid of him right away. Like now he's got to stick around for at least the half, the rest of the half season, if not more. Uh, but again, they, it, it, David Morris, he's a great actor, right? So if they write him well, and if we're willing to forget everything he did in the past, <laughs> then that, it might work. Oh, I think that's hilarious. Because um, I, I would be A-OK with uh, with Michonne just showing up and killing him. And like oh, first, like the cold open and samurai sword to the head. <laughs> dusts off the hands and heads back. And we spend the rest of the time with Martinez. And uh, But yeah, I actually, I, Sean, I think you're probably right. I think, I think the governor's going to be the good guy amongst this group next week. And then that'll lead to wherever we're going to end up at the, the midway point. I don't know. That's a really troubling thing, yeah. and some writers can't do it well. I know if you've seen Oz, the HBO show from back in the late 90s, they were fantastic at, at making you change your opinions about characters, and it was really believable. But, you know, considering everything that the governor's done, that is much more difficult to do on The Walking Dead. But at the same time, his reintroduction for me was so interesting that I at least don't mind spending a bit more time with him to see if they're just going to go with this route and hopefully not turn them back into a cartoonish villain. And then we'll just have to, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt. Interesting. Okay. Well, does that wrap up our thoughts on, on this week's episode? Yes. Well-directed episode, well-written, not entirely sure how I feel about it. And I kind of want Lori to come back. Can she come back? Is it too late? No, no. Are you sure? I do not want Lori to come back. I, I, we need a character who we all hate. <laughs> I, I, we have one. It's the governor. Well, right now, but that's the problem. Right now, we don't hate the governor. Like I, I missed do. the podcast in which we all hated the character. <laughs> well, let's not, you know. And the thing that I find most hilarious about that is that the characters that we loved to hate together last season, for the most part, we weren't supposed to. Yeah, it's not like we, you know, the governor was designed for us to hate him, but they were trying to make us like Andrea last year and Lori before that and they just failed miserably so I don't know we'll see maybe they'll introduce a character that we're actually supposed to hate this season and then we well, can enjoy hating that character together I, I do hate Lizzie and I just want to point out that Megan uh, like her character far better actress and also going back to Lizzie uh, did anyone else uh, notice that she also likes to treat zombies as pets I mean to the point where she feeds zombies rats she gives a zombie uh, a name tag she nicknames zombies and then last week she's like hey zombie zombie come here hey zombie i mean it's like d does anyone not uh think that she sort of resembles the governor who also kept zombies as pets she's creepy man <laughs> it's an interesting parallel uh we'll see if they explore it she's probably related to the governor and she's the one that's helping them out she's the inside man little lizzie <laughs> Well, I think uh, when we're starting to conspire about, you know, 10-year-old girls teaming up with the governor, uh, maybe it's time to bring things to a close. So that, that wraps up our thoughts on Live Bait. Next week, we'll be back talking about episode seven of the season, Dead Weight. So Live Bait, Dead Weight. Uh, so that, that, like, there's a real naming, like, episode title thing going on this season, because, of course, the... The whole disease arc, each episode started with an I and was one word. So it was infected, isolation, indifference, and then internment. Then here uh -huh. we have live bait, dead weight. Um, <laughs> so that, that leads, that, that like sort of adds to my belief that it's going to be another governor episode. But it's going to be written by Curtis Gwynn and directed by Jeremy um, Podeswa. 
Padezwa. I may have pronounced that incorrectly. But we'll be talking about that one next week. I think it's kind of funny how they try their best to work the titles so it fits with what they're focusing on throughout the season. I mean, it's kind of cool, but I also think the titles for these two episodes are kind of ridiculous. Uh, but what's the title of the last episode? Too Far Gone. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's going to be the week after. But we'll be back next week with uh, with more discussion and another fabulous guest. Uh, Sean, where can our listeners find you online? Um, I occasionally blog at thereisnothingon.com. Um, hopefully that's going to start happening again this week. But for right now, uh, at Sound On Site. You can, of course, reach us at Sound On Site as well, Ricky and myself. Uh, we're also both on Twitter. I'm at the Televerse. Ricky? At Sound On Site. There's a lot going on. It's Doctor Who month. I'm in full Doctor Who mode. I'm loving it, and it's kind of insane. Uh, Ricky, what else is going on at Sound Outside right now? Was there ever an episode of Doctor Who that featured zombies or like, like the Living Dead vampires? Yeah, there, there, yeah, there have been there have been episodes that are similar. They specifically name check vampires in the Fourth Doctor's tenure, and then they also there's they basically come up again in uh, the seventh doctor's tenure and then there's a plasmavore in the 10th doctor's tenure so yeah they they kind of pop up here and there and there are zombie like creatures you know not All infrequently right. cool yeah just check out soundonsite.org there's always great things happening we have at least one if not two uh, month long themes uh one always for the film section and sometimes for the tv section uh, and next month, of course, we're going to be dropping our articles of the best TV shows of the year, the best movies of the year, the best soundtracks, the best trailers, the best, I don't know, performances, et cetera, et cetera. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Lots of good stuff going up. Sean, thank you again for coming on and, and talking with us. And everyone, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Sound and Sight Walking Dead podcast. What is it? Chess. Looks hard. Huh? Maybe for some folks, but you're smart. You'll catch on quick. What's this one called? That's a pawn. They're your soldiers. Do they die? Pawn. Chess. What is it? Chess. Looks hard. Hmm? some folks but you're smart you'll catch on quick what's this one called that's a pawn they're your soldiers do they die sometimes do you lose if they die no not necessarily you can lose a lot of soldiers but still win the game Dark clouds 
Souls bound, but I will go 